<clears throat> Welcome to our podcast on A Course in Miracles. We're so happy to have you with us. We'll start with this invocation to the Divine Mother. Divine, Divine Mother, Mother, Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit, I love you, I honor you, I am connecting now with you, I am inviting you in, I am creating a fellowship with you, I am creating an intimate partnership with you, come in and move with power, I declare that I now have full access to you, I declare that I am able to hear your voice, I see you are the leader in my life, I am now making a covenant with you. I declare that I am now anointed by you. You are the healer and you are the Holy Spirit. You can now perform the miracles I need to reverse aging in myself and in others. You are increasing my faith in the supernatural. Amen. Amen. You get this one? Uh, dear Jesus, Babaji, Divine Mother, Holy Spirit, we allow you to intercede. Please place us beyond physical laws into the sphere of celestial order created with angels. Our perfection in this sphere rises above physical laws. We desire to be in this order where our perfection is guaranteed and all of our symptoms are healed. We demand the actualization of this miracle. We now have faith that we are completely restored to celestial order. Okay, this is um, ode number five, O Mother of Crystal. O Mother of Crystal, so clear are the solid objects of beauty you have sprinkled around our house. What is this refined glass but the pure sands of your immense earth melted down in the crucible of your love? Then some artisan molded this molten matter into something precious and pristine. The angel with her arms outstretched in offering stands before me in the shining luster of a gladdened glass. Her sparkling highlights lift me out of any doldrums. Like stars, the points of intense reflection contain minute rainbows of dazzling color. I am transfixed in observation of this light you absorb and give back. Now would I ask the angel herself how she feels being frozen like ice from her molten beginnings in that formless state. Such an inferno she endured now to find herself in the cool atmosphere of silent adoration. O Mother, your angel of crystal containment came down to our earth to bless us in this object of divine perfection. We give thanks to her for extending your presence. She is so happy and still in her giving nature. Her arms that form a basket of beauty void in their pose to receive and give await the morsels we place in her to bestow upon our guests in this lovely home we dedicate to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we have a crystal angel with outstretched arms and we put 
little goodies in there for our guests, M&Ms and <laughs> chocolates. Yeah. So what do we have today, Sandra? Uh, well, we're starting. We're starting uh, the, the second uh, part of chapter one, right? Right. Revelation, time, and miracles. Revelation, time, and miracles. Okay. Revelation induces complete but temporary suspension of doubt and fear. What does that mean, complete but temporary? Well, revelation is when you've kind of left the body's perceptions behind and you're, you're in this mm, dimension of communion with, with your Creator. And it's complete, but why is it temporary? Well, it's not that easy to get into and not that easy to maintain. So, oh. I mean, and we still are living here in bodies and we have to tend to things in our daily life. And so, you know, these are, these are mm, connections that we can make in leisure um, but then we still we still have our our other things to tend to that in which we need our perception. It reflects the original form of communication between God and His creations, involving the extremely personal sense of creation, sometimes sought in physical relationships. Physical closeness cannot achieve it. Miracles, however, are generally interpersonal and result in true closeness to others. Revelation unites you directly with God. Miracles unite you directly with your brother. Neither emanates from consciousness, but both are experienced there. Consciousness is the state that induces action. Yeah. Though it does not inspire it, you are free to believe what you choose and what you do attest to what you believe. Yeah, okay. Well, there's number of different levels here. You know, it's talking about revelation, miracles, and consciousness. So, revelation is you've sort of left the body behind, you've sort of left thought itself behind. You know, um, my thoughts do not mean anything. That's that's lesson four, or, or no, that's lesson ten. These thoughts don't mean anything is lesson four. My thoughts don't mean anything is lesson ten. So, you know, if the the true result of that is that your mind would be empty, your mind would be still, and you've transcended even the thought level, and now it's it's. Uh, it's in the realm of some other frequency, and that's revelation. It's like you're totally um, transcendent of thought and the body, mm. and you're you're making this communion with creation, with your creator. Okay, so the the miracle, the miracle it says is interpersonal. So so. It's also um, beyond uh, consciousness in the sense that uh, you have to enter into that unknown place, right? Um, 
you have to enter into the that place where you don't understand anything and you know you don't understand anything and that's okay and you have faith that um you know the divine order of things is going to come through you know the you're going to be able to enter into the sphere of celestial order but but it's like your consciousness does not determine that you know it's like in the bible it says uh a love beyond understanding mm. or peace beyond understanding well what is that place beyond understanding well that's the that's kind of a medium of of the miracle and it's it's beyond our our perception our consciousness but now once you've made that contact with the miracle there there may be an action you take that does involve perception and does involve consciousness. So consciousness is, is the level of action, but it's not, it, the, the miracle does not originate there. It's, it's acted out there, but it doesn't originate there. It comes from a higher dimension. Mm. Just like, if you could think of it as three different levels, there's like spirit, which is beyond consciousness, beyond thought, beyond even action. And, and that, is, that is where you can make the contact with revelation. But then, okay, now you're coming down, you've got, you've got spirit, and then you've got God's thoughts, which most of the time we're not aware of and then those those can induce miracles they're still above consciousness but they they give you clarity miracles give you clarity they give you correction and then at the thought level you make the correction and then that may induce some kind of an action and then that's consciousness so oh, there are three different levels. Mm, it's complicated in a way. Well, not really. When you you have to, you know, it's like when you were saying um, this thing the yogi told you: mm -hmm. spirit is that which cannot be created or destroyed. destroyed. Mind is condensed spirit. Body is condensed mind. Well, it's the same stuff, only it's different levels of refinement. You know. Okay. Like, oh, so that's the same that this is talking about, these three different levels. So there's consciousness, then miracles, then revelation. Yes, something like yeah. that. Revelation is intensely personal and cannot be meaningfully translated. That is why any attempt to describe it in words is impossible. Revelation induces only experience. Miracles, on the other hand, induce action. They are more useful now because of their interpersonal nature. In this phase of learning, working miracles is important because freedom from fear cannot be thrust upon you. Revelation is literally unspeakable because it is an experience of unspeakable love. So, um, working miracles is important because freedom from fear cannot be thrust upon you. Can you explain that sentence? Read it again. In this phase, okay, so they're talking about miracles induce action. Yeah. 
They're more useful because of their interpersonal nature. And then it says, in this phase of learning, working miracles is important because freedom from fear cannot be thrust upon you. Yeah, okay. Does that mean you need a miracle to get over the fear? Well, let's just say you have the fear. And then of something. And then you need some kind of a release from the fear and you get a different insight an insight comes to you oh well I just have to trust I'm not trusting I have to trust so then you start to trust and now the fear is dissipating and you may also have to take an action you know and then that's the miraculous coming in so we have to be aware of these uh, corrections in our consciousness level that the miracle induces, and then that may also be an action. So the miracle's getting us over fear. So let's just, I have the fear, and then I say, well, I have the fear because I'm not trusting. I need to trust, and then I ask the Holy Spirit to strengthen my trust and then I notice that the fear dissipates so that's the miracle happening mm. do you see what I mean okay so we have the fear but the miracle undoes the fear later it says perfect love casts out the fear mm. well perfect love would be the miracle mm. and it's casting out the fear and that's why we need the miracles Okay, number three, awe should be reserved for revelation to which it is perfectly and correctly applicable. It is not appropriate for miracles because a state of awe is worshipful, implying that one of the lesser order stands before his creator. Now, so they're saying not to have awe for miracles? Well... A state of awe is worshipful. Yeah. Yeah, so miracles, you know, in the uh, 50 principles, it said miracles are natural and ordinary, and if they're not occurring, something's gone wrong. Well, they should be, you know, miracles should be part of your everyday life. Mm. And, and just how you uh, maneuver in your world, um, you, you need these um guideposts let's say to keep yourself on track um, and checking in and having these you know uh, bits of of inner clarity which are the miracles you need in maneuvering in your everyday life and your actions reflect those those ahas those changes in your perception um, corrections of your course, of your direction, all those little corrections are miracles, and you need those. And that's not something you should be in awe of. Mm. They're, they're ordinary. Mm. But then this, this other dimension where you're transcending the body, you're transcending thought, you're, you're entering into this uh, non-physical dimension of the spirit, um, that can be very awesome, you know? You are a perfect <coughs> creation <clears throat> and should experience awe 
only in the presence of the creator of perfection. The miracle is therefore a sign of love among equals. Equals should not be in awe of one another because awe implies inequality. It is, oh yeah, that's the point. Awe implies inequality. It is therefore an inappropriate reaction to me. Well, Jesus is saying that. I'm not one to be held in awe. Because I'm your brother. Right. An elder brother is entitled to respect for his greater experience and obedience for his greater wisdom. He is also entitled to love because he is a brother and to devotion if he is devoted. It is only my devotion that entitles me to yours. There is nothing about me that you cannot attain. I have nothing that does not come from God. The difference between us now is that I have nothing else. This leaves me in a state which is only potential in you. Wow, he's really explaining himself there. Yeah. Um, so he's entitled to respect. He's entitled to love. He's entitled to obedience. And he's entitled to devotion. But not awe. Right? Isn't that what it says? Yes. Mm -hmm. No man cometh unto the Father but by me does not mean that I am in any way separate or different from you except in time. And time does not really exist. The statement is more meaningful in terms of a vertical rather than horizontal axis. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so it's like um, Jesus stands above us as a inter intercessor, um, intermediate um, between our higher self and our ego and see like um, he doesn't have an ego or he's undone his ego yeah okay so we have the same Christ self in us however it's clouded over by our ego so Jesus is or the Christ is that part of us that can undo our ego. So that's why we, he says, well, I'm, I'm like you, I'm your elder brother, but I've, I've played my part perfectly and I don't have an ego, mm -hmm. so I can help you remove yours. Yeah. And then the more you remove yours, you see you, you are the Christ. Mm. But that's, the, you know, that's a process. That's, um, you know, you've got to let go and undo mm -hmm. a lot of your mm -hmm. um, misperceptions and wrong thinking. Yeah. Are we going to do more than one page? I think, well, finish that. Is that a paragraph that you need to finish? Yeah, let's finish this paragraph then. Uh, you stand below me and I stand below God. In the process of rising up, I am higher because without me, the distance between God and man would be too great for you to encompass. Okay. That's powerful. Okay. Yeah, so we need Jesus to, to make us cross that space, right? Yes. I bridge the distance as an elder brother to you on the one hand and as a son of God on the other. My devotion to my brothers has placed me in charge of the sonship, which I render complete because I share it. This may appear to contradict the statement, I and the Father are one. 
but there are two parts to the statement in recognition that the Father is greater. I don't understand that there's two parts to the statement. I and my Father are one. Well, and that also implies I and my brothers are one. So, so like, we're all on a path of ascension, whether we know it or not. Um, we're waking up, we're evolving, we're uh, ascending into this um, deeper connection, more truthful connection to our source. And Jesus is just saying that I, I am totally absorbed in my source awareness. And so therefore I've transcended the ego. And it's my job to help my brothers do that too. And I, I see that I'm connected to all my brothers. There's not one brother that I'm not connected to on the planet. All right. So, so it's a matter of like raising up, you know, pulling up, raising up, so that Christ is able to, to pull up, raise up, you know, his, his human brothers, um, so that the gap between uh, the source energy and man is diminished, you know. It's, uh, so he's saying without him it would be too great. You know? Well, yeah, I mean, we've, we've drifted so far away from um, that awareness of our source, or let's just say we've drifted so far away from love, which is the essence of us, uh, that we need someone like Jesus to kind of uh, pull us out of our amnesia. You know, we've forgotten who we are. We've forgotten our source energy. We've forgotten our divine connection. Now, here comes this character, the Christ, and he hasn't forgotten it at all. He's in total communion with the source energy all the time. And he wants to uh, wake us up so that we can be in that communion as well. And he can do it, but because he's an older brother, we have to listen. We have to listen to him and treat him with reverence and follow his directions. <laughs> you know, he's like leading us on a, a path or a road or a direction that is going to enlighten us, but you have to take the steps, you know? You have to take the steps that are uh, given, you know, and all those lessons that we studied in this year, those are the steps, yeah. you know. Love holds no grievances. Mm -hmm. um, I can escape from the world I see by giving up my attack thoughts. Um, forgiveness is the key to happiness, you know. We've got to... Uh, uh, bring those statements into application in our life. And those are directions that he's giving us and we have to follow them. Okay. And those are the miracles. Those are the miracles. Mm, those lessons are the miracles. Absolutely. 
Okay, thank you. Thank you.